I can't tell you how many times, like every, every week, I have a conversation with somebody who's a wonderful practitioner, a wonderful person, and is just crispy because they think that they can't work any less. And the reality is they're close to not being able to work at all because they won't work any less. Yeah. It's such an important thing to be able to grow in the direction where you're taking better care of yourself so that you can be a better doctor. That is Dr. Bree Montana, and she is joined by Dr. Susan Cohen. And this is the Vin Foundation's Veterinary Pulse podcast and the third installment of the Future So Bright series on the ins and outs of selling a veterinary practice. I'm Jordan Benshia, Vin Foundation's Executive Director. Join me and our co-host and Vin Foundation board member, Dr. Matt Holland, as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics and share stories. Stories that connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible by individuals like you who donate to the VIN Foundation. Thank you. Please check the episode notes for bios, links, and information mentioned. Welcome, Bree and Susan. Thank you for joining us again. Great hey, to be I'm here. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Susan, it's so nice <laughs> to see you and Jordan. I'm so happy to see both of you. It's just like makes me happy to see your faces. Not I love mine, working as with we both discussed, you guys. but yours. <laughs> self-love, Brie, self-love. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another episode of our Future So Bright series, the ins and outs of selling a veterinary practice. As most of our listeners know, Dr. Bree Montana is our team lead for our Vets for Vets confidential support group with the VIN Foundation, but she is also a practice owner who's considering selling her practice. And today we also have Dr. Susan Cohen, who is also on our Vets for Vets team and a pioneer in the fields of pet loss, human-animal interaction, and the human side of veterinary practice. I'm so excited to have both of you together because today what we're going to be focused on is the mental state, emotional side of selling a practice. Uh, for anybody that's gone through a big change in their life, they know, which I'm sure is nobody on this call, but <laughs> on this podcast, let's just pretend. Let's just pretend a few people understand that. Um, so anytime we go through big changes in our life, you know, there are aspects of that that have to deal with our mindset and our emotional stability and our emotional state. And as we know, the veterinary profession is one in which there is a lot of emotional, mental struggles because of the challenging work and the amazing work that our colleagues are doing. And so we thought it was a good idea to kind of touch base on that after spending a couple episodes talking with Dr. Lance Rosa on finding your why and thinking about what might be the best fit for you, because this is an important aspect of that. So continuing... Bree, you are our test case in the area of the ins and outs of selling our, your practice. Will you share with us sort of your mindset as you begin to consider a sale? Yeah, um, I'm working on this. I'm seeing a, this great therapist in the cancer center. And, you know, when Bill was, my husband was diagnosed with poems, I started, I saw her a little bit. And then I initially had a panic and I um, was happened to have the kismity experience of having a corporation reach out to me with interest in buying my practice. And so I said, yes, I'm going to sell it to this person. And mm -hmm. that's all of the research that I did. And that's all of the homework <laughs> that I did. Maybe I had some tequila. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, and, um, and so I said, I'm just going to do this. Uh, yeah, give me a con, you know, send me a contract. They came out and they visited. They're very nice, big surprise. Um, and very complimentary, another surprise. Uh, and so I sent a copy of the letter of interest or the, you know, the, the in pencil letter of interest that they sent me to a couple of, um, good friends and colleagues, Paul Pion and Rafi, yeah. <laughs> um, the VIN and VIN Foundation attorney. And they both said, um, let's just take a glass of water <laughs> and, <laughs> and get some sunlight and, and talk about this. And so I thought about it and I thought, God, you know, I, this is a crazy time for me to be making a decision. And so I need to <laughs> sit with it. This is, this is just a complete decision by fiat and it's not what I want to do. I want to make all the decisions that I make in my life, um, I like to uh, think about them and try to come to a terms where I have made that decision in a way that feels good. So I put it away. I did all mm -hmm. the things I had to do for the last uh, year and a half to kind of help Bill get to a healthy plateau where he is now. And now that my personal life is as stable as it can be, it's time for me to look to my future and figure out what my new future is. Cause my whole life is changing now. Um, my life is mm -hmm. much different than it was when my husband was completely supporting my practice. You know, all, all the things that I do. One time Jordan said, God, he, he does everything for her. I mean, he, he's you know, <laughs> in a positive way. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think that most people understand that Bill is really Bill's Dr. Brie Montana's husband, Mr. Bill West. And yeah. he, I, I mean, he kind of acted like your practice manager and your support with everything, right? Yeah, he he did everything so that all I had to do was get up and get shiny every morning. That's all I had to do. Right. You know, I could get right. up. Um, he and he's an ultra athlete. Uh, and we would hike our four Huskies. Well, three then, and then we got four in the middle of it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Now we have four Huskies, so I'm certifiably... Uh, <laughs> challenge. Uh, so yeah, we'd hike our Huskies to the forest to work. It's a four mile hike. And then he'd go take off and do his hike. And then he'd do the rest of the day. We could call him anytime and say, we need a coffee run. And he'd show up with coffee for my whole staff. And we'd say, mm -hmm. uh, we need bleach. He'd go get that. I mean, just whatever happened. And then he'd do all the accounting and he'd do all the payroll. And I'd come home and there would be some sort of a plant-based diet, a wonderful <laughs> fresh dinner. Um, and all of our animals were cared for, you know, if I needed something at the barn, if I had a horse show, he and my daughter would meet up at the barn and wash my horse for me. And then I'd mm -hmm. go, yeah. And my trainer would put her in the him in the trailer and haul him. And so, I mean, they did everything. So all I had to do was, you know, play with my horses, play with my Huskies, uh, run my practice, um, practice medicine and do vets for vets. And people are always mm -hmm. saying, gosh, how do you do it all? Well, apparently Bill is how I did it all. <laughs> <laughs> and all the time I spent most of my free time complaining about him and <laughs> and talking right. shit about him. Um, and then here he was doing all this stuff. And so it's my life is very different. You know, he spent mm -hmm. he spent months and months um, not being able to walk at all. And he's had his uh, foot amputated and you know, he's learned how to walk with that. But that guy is a different guy now. And my practice yeah. is a different practice and my marriage is a different marriage. And so that's what led me to say. I really do need to sit down and envision my life going forward. So some of this is specific to me, but a big part of this is specific to anyone who's planning on transitioning from working, even if it's part-time into, mm -hmm. you know, even if you're working part-time now and you're going to work even less, or you're working full-time now and you're going to work part-time or, or retire entirely. 
all of us are going to have to face the monster, which is the part of our life that we don't pay any attention to because we're at work. When my mm-hmm. life is having a hard time, like if I am angry with Bill, <laughs> um, you know, if I'm having a hard time in any portion of my life, even my practice life, I can shut that down by working. Mm-hmm. I can avoid mm-hmm. my problems by working. And I have lived, I've, you know, I'm 61 and I've been practicing since 1992 and I am really good at that. <laughs> well, and Susan, I wonder, you know, you work so much in this field with the animal human interaction and the human side of veterinary practice. How do you see career changes impacting the overall view of self? Because I think that whether you're looking to retire or sell your practice or a big shift in your life with the big changes that everyone has in life, how do you, how do you see that impacting the view of self for colleagues? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because I, I do think listening to Bree and uh, some other practice owners that we've had in Vets for Vets, I think it's different when you have owned a practice for a while, maybe you've been at it mm-hmm. 20, 30 years, than if you are currently an associate and just not happy with your job. I think those are two different things. And, and uh, well, more of the people who've been through the support group are associates, <clears throat> I, you know, who, who may just say, wow, this isn't what they told me veterinary practice was going to be like, or I've now met somebody and I want to move to a different part of the country. You know, all of these mm-hmm. things where you, you know, are, are thinking about what your life is going to be like, but you think you're going to stay a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. One of the difficulties, I think, for everybody is that most veterinarians seem to know when they're, you know, little kids that they want to be veterinarians, that they really love animals and they want to help them. Even I wanted to be a veterinarian <laughs> when I was little until I discovered two things. One, I'm very squeamish. And two, I can't do math to save my life. So. <laughs> I found a job where I could hang out with veterinarians and not actually have to study organic chemistry. But I think win, win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I need pet therapy, there are always animals I can go visit. Oh, yeah. So, so for me, it's been a, a a great way to to be in the area. But I think for a lot of people, you've wanted to do it your whole life. You do it for love. You you know, it's not a bit clearly nobody goes into it to make a pile of money. And in some cases, you, maybe your family is also invested. They've been supporting you. You've got a spouse. You've got parents. I remember a story back from the 60s, um, a friend of mine who was a uh, federal prosecutor, which is a very prestigious job. You know, it's usually uh, big shot law schools and <clears throat> something you really uh, you know, want to stay with as long as you can. And he decided, because it was the 60s, that he wanted to (laughs) quit being a federal prosecutor and raise chickens, you know, on a farm. And he was fine with it. But his mom used to say, I I don't know what to tell my friends. You know, I could talk about you when you were a lawyer and when you have this big fancy job. And now I don't know what to say about you. I mean, it's a long time since the 60s. And I think we're a little more open to changing direction. But again, if this is something you whatever it is that you've wanted to do your whole life, to to change to cut back is very loaded. And I think if you've been a practice owner, what I'm seeing, and again, 
I probably am not talking to all the happy practice owners because they wouldn't be in the group. But <laughs> the practice owners that I'm running into either are in a situation like Breeze where there's been a change that they didn't necessarily you know, want. Um, they mm-hmm. uh, develop arthritis in their hands and can't do surgery. Or they have developed a real anxiety disorder and they just don't want to deal with taking a risk or talking to clients or whatever it is. But many of them seem to be reaching a point where they just kind of snap and they just say, I've tried everything I can think of to make this work. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's that one last straw on the camel's back and I don't want to do this anymore. And again, I know you all have talked about the, the legalities and the money and all of that, but you know, for some of them, the decision to get out of very medicine is pretty clear. You know, there isn't a lot of worry about their self-image. They've done it for 30 years and they've had it. It's just not fun anymore. So those people don't agonize. I feel like um, there's a large subgroup of us that are that are that are needing to transition into a different phase in their career. And um, I think it's really important that as uh, as we do make that transition, that we find a way of recognizing what we get from where we are now and uh, in seeing that. Uh, for example, one of the things I'm recognizing for myself is a big part of my self-esteem comes from my being a juggernaut at work. Um, you know, no matter what comes through the front door and what I'm doing while it comes from the front, through the front door, I'm able to pivot and handle all of that. And that's been a challenge for me this last year because my bandwidth is so taken up with a variety of other things. And mm-hmm. so I've had to recognize that I'm mourning that, you know, I have to uh, lock down my schedule more. I'm having to handle things a little bit differently and sending, sending things to a specialist that I would normally do myself. And that's going to happen as I sell my practice or as I go to part time, as you know, if I let's say I have a partner come in and buy part of the practice, that partner is going to be taking up a lot of that, um, of that fame. We get a lot, I get a lot of personal self-esteem that's like um, uh, mountain, mountain self-esteem uh, from uh, from what I do and uh, from how I do it. And I have to do it differently and I have to recognize and mourn the fact that I'm not going to be the powerhouse of the practice anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. going to have um, I'm not going to be the go to person for, you know, the big fat Rottweiler spay anymore. I am going to be the person that comes into, into specialty dentistry. I'm going to be the person that comes in and works a couple hours a week or a couple hours a day. I'm not going to be the person that everybody goes to. Uh, and that's the leader of this practice at some point. And I love mm-hmm. being a team leader. You it's know, hard. Pri, let me ask you a, a slightly different but related question because it's come up in the group lately. And that is how much of this, and I, I get it, you know, you're the star and you deserve to be the star. You're actually really good at what you do. But one of the things that's come up in the group lately is this drive to be busy, you know, that there's no excuse for not being busy, preferably at a paid job all the time. And that if you're home, you really ought to be cleaning out the closets and, you know, just, you know, at it all the time. Have you seen my pantry (laughs) with all the labels? I swear to God. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think Jordan's seen my pantry. Um, I, have, I bought a bunch of glass, clear glass jars from a supply company and everything is, yeah, I, I have a problem. <laughs> that sounds like heaven to me. but I know, I love it. It's just like, it really does make me happy. Um, okay, mm-hmm. yes, that's a real thing. And that's another thing that, that's, that's touching back on what I originally was mentioning. And that's that in order to um, handle some things that are difficult for for, for me, and I'm probably not the only guy that does this, I get busy instead of sitting with my discomfort. Sitting with mm-hmm. your uh, learning how to uh, relax is hard. Sitting with uh, t- free time is hard. When I first moved to California, right after I graduated, a year after I graduated, um, the Navy was going to send us uh, in one direction. Uh, my husband at the time was a um, an emergency medicine physician for the Navy. And they were the Navy was, was going to detail us in one direction and they actually sent us to a different state and it took me a while to get my state license and so I taught college and I taught aerobics and I almost went crazy and I had a newborn so you know a lot of people just having a newborn is enough but you know I had a husband and a kita and a kid and I taught college and I did all these things because um I clearly have the devil living in my head and, you know, and what's that, the busy work or something about the devil, some sort of, I don't know, right. idle, idleness is a problem for me. So yes, mm-hmm. all of us, as we are growing through our lives need to, um, I would encourage each of us to struggle a little bit with quietude, um, to mm-hmm. find uh, some peace and friendship in our discomfort because that's one of the things I'm working with as I go forward. How am I going to, how I get, like, I'm worried that I'm going to become lazy. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that know me, it's not actually a possibility. Um, no. And I, and I take some comfort in recognizing that for myself. And I think we all, many, most of us are like so hard charger, so hard charging, you know, we're, we're really the sharp end of the stick all the time. And at some point it's nice to just kind of, not be the sharp end anymore. And um, so that's something that I encourage all of us to think about if we're thinking about moving into a a part-time job or a complete retirement job, figuring out ways of becoming comfortable with free time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, so it, it seems that for some, their identity, as you're expressing, Brie, is really caught up in being this you know, rock star, unicorn, veterinary professional that owns your practice. And you're the one that does all the super awesome things all the time. And sharing that is going to be a shift. But I would also imagine that there's probably, probably part of the reason that you have gotten to this point, which I'm curious if this is the case, is you find yourself where, especially with what, you know, Bill's situation, you find yourself finding more meaning in that area of your life that where you find yourself almost, almost not there quite yet, but still dealing with it, but almost at a level of comfort because you know that that's going to enrich you at a level. Whereas before you see the importance of that, right? I mean, when you, when we talk, when you talk to anybody that is of an older age and that is in a period of the latest, the end toward the end of their life, they never say, I wish I had worked more, right? Yeah. They always say, I wish I had spent more time with my family. Yeah. Right? I, I, it's such a true statement for me. Um, I just mm-hmm. find myself every day, like at three or four, it's almost like clockwork, somewhere between three or four and four in the afternoon. I work until seven every day. Um, mm-hmm. And I just find myself missing Bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is also, I, 
you know, if, if there is, you know, some blessings out of COVID or some positives out of COVID, part of that I think is a majority of people are really, I think if they're paying attention, really reassessing their life right? Yeah. And really reassessing what is important to us. Yeah. And I think that's part of why we see this great resignation. I think it's part of why we see so many shifts of pe where people are living and the jobs they're doing and how they're spending their days in and days out. And you kind of had, you, Bree, sort of had this happen during COVID. So you sort of had this double whammy. Yeah, it was of, really not fair. <laughs> it was really not fair. <laughs> Plus lots of other things that, you yeah, know, the on the personal side I know yeah. about. And, and, and I, and so... I think that that's part of the shift that we're seeing, you know, in society as well as specifically with colleagues. And Absolutely. It's, mm -hmm. That's, a, that's a, an absolute factor for me. Um, I, I am, I'm, I've changed my schedule and mm -hmm. I've, you know, through COVID, I was changing our schedule at the hospital and really focusing on keeping my team healthy, keeping myself healthy, um, keeping our practice safe. Uh, and safe because we were practicing good medicine. We were not allowing ourselves to make mistakes by being too fatigued. So we've been very mm -hmm. careful about all of that. And then I've also um, adjusted my schedule so I have more time to be at the barn and more time to be home with Bill. Um, mm -hmm. It's really, I've realized that if, uh, my riding is very important to me. And yeah. my horse is important to me. My horses are important to me. And mm -hmm. so I'm really, when I'm at the barn, I'm paying more attention um, I'm really taking a minute and not like I tend to rush like the rabbit in the uh, in the movie from one thing to another thing, always feeling like I'm late. And mm -hmm. instead, I've been taking more time. I know I'm not late and I'm really spending all of the time that I have in that portion of my day being present in that portion of the day and really being careful to turn off my phone and not be at work when I'm with the horses. And then mm -hmm. when I'm at work, um, I, I, I have not been, I have been remiss at work and then I haven't been a good leader this last year and a half. I've been mostly mm -hmm. letting my, my team carry me. And I'm now that I'm feeling my feet a little more balanced underneath me, I'm making some good decisions and I'm really, um, I'm really recognizing that I need to step in and be more present for my team. So my focus is going to be really being there with my team when I'm there. And then when I, with Bill, I am not going to be at the barn in my mind. I'm not going to be mm -hmm. with my practice in my mind. I'm going mm -hmm. to be focusing on being with Bill. And we went away last weekend um, to see my mom for her uh, 82nd birthday. And mm -hmm. uh, we, Bill and I, carved out two days before we, the, the time we spent with her and then another day at the other end. And it was great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did oh, the things that he did yeah. uh, good doing and it was a, uh, it's a different way for me. Cause I'm, I'm very much ADHD and like Jiminy Jiminy in my head, there's always mm -hmm. skeletons doing strange things in there. And <laughs> <laughs> they're still doing that. Um, but I am being able to sort of embrace the moment a little bit more. That's, that's mm -hmm. my current process. So Brie is, you know, since she's our test case, she's an example of someone that's chosen that this is a path she wants to go down, whether she chooses partial sale, full sale, what type of sale, all of that's still up in the air. But Susan, I'm wondering if you can shed some light on, there's probably some colleagues listening who haven't for sure made the decision. And so do you have any suggestions on tips or, or, or ways to kind of help them decide whether now is the right time for them? 
I think in general, <clears throat> whether you own a practice or you're an associate or whatever, that it's good to check in with yourself once a year and you pick a date, you know, it can mm-hmm. be January 1st, it can be your birthday, it can be some midpoint in the year where you stop and, you know, do what Bree is doing, which is take a breath, you know, and just let whatever's going on in your head speak to you. I I think of it as like an answering machine that's got a list of messages that you haven't listened to, you know, and just Mm -hmm. ask yourself, am I happy at work 75% of the time? I mean, nobody's got a perfect Mm -hmm. job, but if you're at 75%, you're probably doing okay. But you can always, you know, even at 75% say, well, what at this moment in my life would I like to be doing more of and how do I get to do that you know and just mm-hmm. keep you know, like thinking about what are people coming to you for what are you the unicorn for in your practice or what have you discovered you like to do and nobody else does you know, whatever it is just think about those kinds of things and keep your try to keep yourself happy as you go but if you've reached a point where all of the things you've tried are not enough you know, um, speaking to your boss and writing lists and having goals, whatever it is you're doing, see, you know, having uh, therapy, then it's time to really think about how you're going to spend the rest of your time. And you want to look around for what in your life is bringing you joy. So, for example, in the group, we've had uh, uh, people who just snapped kind of one day and realized that they were enjoying uh their photography work more than any aspect of veterinary medicine. And they'd loved it before, but over time, maybe because they hadn't really stopped to ask themselves, am I still happy? They were done. Um, I know someone else who transitioned very slowly and realized Mm -hmm. that, you know, she worked a number of different jobs and she was good at it and successful, but there were things about it she just didn't like, but she did like to write. So she taught English as a second language and, you know, all while staying a veterinarian and then Mm -hmm. eventually transitioned into being a copywriter for veterinarians. So, you need cool. something done on your website or you need an article mm-hmm. on blah, blah, you know, for some magazine, she's your your person. So, you know, if you have time and you can sort of see it coming, mm-hmm. you can think about the parts of your life that make you happy and head in that direction. One of the mm-hmm. problems comes when, and it's something Bree's alluded to. You know, if I'm not a veterinarian or if I'm not a veterinarian full-time or if I'm not doing all the tricky surgery, whatever, who am I, you know, and and what am I supposed to be doing? And, you know, can I, um, you know, if I've invested time and money and my spouse has made sacrifices, how do I, how do I think about letting go Set yourself up for success. Well, and how do I make this change and Bree's talked about it in a way that makes me still feel good about myself and feel, hey, I've learned to embrace life in a new way or I've decided to pursue a different interest. I, I suggest if you can, that it's really important to take some time away. If you can take a vacation, uh, if you can, you know, just cut back for a little bit, for some people, you know, the guy that uh, discovered this concept of type A behavior, uh, which is this uh, time-driven, aggressive style, you know how he did that? 
He was a yeah, <laughs> he was a cardiologist, and he said, and you know, again, this is back in the day when we thought it was a man's issue. He'd be in the hospital and talking to all these guys who would say, "Thank God I had a heart attack. I hate what I do for a living. I just didn't know how to stop." Oh. You know, yeah. so sometimes it's forced on you, you know, to stop and reevaluate your life. But what I find another issue that we haven't really talked about is. In addition to you being invested in your career and your parents and everybody in your family, your clients and your staff are invested in you. And one of the things I've heard from people who like uh, are owners of maybe one or two doctor practices in a rural area or on an island or something like that, and they they know their clients, their clients know them, um, they feel incredibly responsible to their clients who don't have a million other places to go. And in some cases, especially the owners who are thinking about selling, they're concerned about their staff, you know, and what's going to happen Mm -hmm. when this corporation takes over. So yeah, we love our staff. Yeah. 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 We love our team. You want to protect your clients. You want to protect your, your, um, your team. And it's, it is one of the things in addition to being a workaholic and all the other stuff we've talked about, it's one of the things that makes even small changes difficult at first. We've had a number of people in the group who say, I have to keep my phone on 24-7 because I'm the primary game in town and they'll have to drive an hour and a half if I don't pick up that phone. And you, I, I, Susan, yeah. I'm going to stop you there yeah. for a second sure. to shine a light on the fact that, on what I believe to be the fact that almost every single dingle one of us feels like we're that important in this particular profession. I think it's a huge misunderstanding of our importance in the world that, that really burns us out. And we feel like nobody's going to be able to survive if we're not available to them 24 seven. But the reality is um, that we're less important to the world than we probably would like to think. Um, and I want to encourage each of us to, to, to realize. Well, and maybe that, more important to each of your own individual lives. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Exactly. I mean, yes. all of us can push, you know, cram for the exams or write the big paper, whatever it is. We can all do that. You can't work at that level month after month, year after year, you know. And so if you if you tell yourself, I must answer the phone every time it rings i must get up in the middle of the night and you know whatever whatever right forever then you're you'll be you'll wind up leaving the profession when maybe you didn't have to because you couldn't allow yourself to turn the phone off or take a, a long weekend or whatever it is you're you're not doing and that's really oh, Susan, the only- I, I wish you'd say that 10 times <laughs> I wish you'd say that 10 times in a row and we could put it on people's ringtones. I can't tell you how many times, like every, every week I have a conversation with somebody who's a wonderful practitioner, a wonderful person, and is just crispy because they think that they can't work any less. And the reality is they're close to not being able to work at all Mm -hmm. because they won't work any less. Yeah. And it's such an important thing to be able to, grow in the direction where you're taking better care of yourself so that you can be a better doctor. Absolutely. I love how I feel like you're talking to me, even though I'm not a veterinarian. <laughs> it's true for all of us. We all feel so, um, we all feel like we're the only person that can carry that box into the house. 
And then that cop. Well, you do the very best you. job of it, Bree. <laughs> Nobody else can carry that. That's, see, that's <laughs> part of the problem. It happens to veterinarians. It happens to yep. technicians. It happens yep. to mm-hmm. social workers, which I am. You know, you get to, we're all good at stuff. And if you're pretty, you know, like smarter than average and you work hard, you really are probably better than the average bear. And there's this feeling if I go home, if I don't answer the phone, if I, you know, if I don't right, you know, yeah. arrange all the surgical instruments or whatever, somebody's going to die you know, or something right. horrible will happen. We just can't let ourselves off the hook. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that we're going to have to work with. All of us, those of us that are taking this walk together, whether it's today or you know three months from now or a year from now or two years from now when you re- listen to this podcast because you're considering um, transitioning and selling your practice or part of your practice and spending more time in your own personal life we're going to have to come to terms with the fact that it's going to hurt our feelings that somebody's going to do it someone's going to do our job they're going to do a good job at our job not maybe as good as us Right? No, no, but it's sure still okay. Good me. <laughs> oh, for sure, not as good. Not, not with you know whatever I bring the je ne sais quoi that I bring to that room. It has somebody's going to do the job. They're going to do a good job of it. Um, somebody's going to tell us that they love the new doctor. It's going to hurt our feelings. I'm not that big of a girl. <laughs> uh, you know, um, we're gonna we're gonna miss the feeling that we have when we pull that spleen out and the dog is doing great and he comes back for the suture removal and the histopath is good and our team we all feel it we all feel it it's a big it's a big uh touchdown for all of us and we all participated in it we're gonna miss that so we need to you know if we aren't already building out the part of our life that challenges us if we're not already sucking at something other than veterinary medicine you need to get out there and start sucking. You need to get out there and start slipping in the ice. You need to get out there and start trying something new, trying something that you've always wanted to do or that you used to love in college. I mean, what did you used to love in intramural sports that you could do something similar to now? If you played tennis, you know, maybe you play some more tennis. Um, you know, if you drew, maybe you start get yourself some uh, pastels. It's time for us right now, even if we're starting our career, to remember to build out the other part of our of our lives so that we Absolutely. can challenge ourselves in other forums. Yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. So that sort of perfectly leads us into the next thing I wanted to ask both of you, which is now that we know that it, whether you're choosing or looking at a partial sale, sale or a full sale, there is going to be additional time in your life, right? Where you are not the unicorn inside the exam room or the surgical room. And I guess a question I would ask is how can we help set our colleagues up for success and help them be proactive? What are some suggestions that you have, Susan, of you're about to find yourself with some more time on your hands, right? And for some people with a lot of hobbies that might sound fantastic but for somebody that really lives and breathes their career and their job and it's a large part of their identity what sort of suggestions do you make to help them make that shift in a way that sets them up for success 
Well, I would say, as I mentioned before, if obviously if you can see this coming and start thinking about it, and and as Bree said, <clears throat> go back to elementary school even, you know, what did I used to like to do? And it's not that you grew to hate it, it's that you ran out of time to do that thing, or you couldn't compete in intramural sports at the level you wanted to, so you gave it up. You're allowed to go back to that stuff and taking a vacation, going someplace new, visiting all that family that you haven't seen, who've been begging you to come out. Um, all of that can be enormously helpful. Um, and I really, uh, you know, if you're thinking about maybe alternative careers or other ways of being connected to science or whatever it is, it's time to brush up your resume and get on LinkedIn and, you know, whatever social media things there are, even your Facebook page, just keep putting it out there. Hey, I'm still around. I doing this, that, and the other thing and stuff will fall in your lap that will keep you either professionally occupied or uh, that are fine. And I, I actually, as we've been talking, uh, have another idea. Um, there are a couple of us uh, social workers that found that we were doing exactly what I've been telling everybody here not to do, which is to keep saying yes to things because they're interesting, right? It's maybe less a, a, um, a drive to be busy all the time and not let the devil make work for our idle hands and more a, well, but that sounds like fun. I could do that and nobody else. Could. So we formed a little support group a month or two ago to help each other say no to things even when they're fun and even especially when they're not fun and we're saying yes to them anyway. So I would suggest that if you are uh, really thinking about how you want the rest of your life to go, that it might be good to find a couple of colleagues that you can be accountable to all three, you know, three, four, however many there are. And whatever it is you go, I need uh, to get myself out there doing hobbies. I need to say no to uh, baking cookies all the time. Whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, get a couple of your friends to join with you in this effort and check in, you know, by email or phone or text or whatever. We're doing this group of friends of mine and I are writing each other about once a month to say, what have you said no to this month? You know, I love it. you know, we, Susan, we mm -hmm. talk about wolf packs all the time. You know, when we talk to our, our new grad colleagues, people that are just coming out of school, when we talk to them, we talk about the importance of developing a wolf pack, a group of, of, of classmates, colleagues, friends that you're going to be supportive to and who you are going to meet with, you know, by phone or by zoom nowadays um, for coffee once a month or so and support each other. And Susan, that's exactly it. It's just the wolf pack is a little gray now. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love it. That's so good. I love I love the idea of the wolf pack. And you can do that as an adult, you know, and when you've been in it a long time too. And I, I realize one of the reasons we have the uh, Vets for Vets support group is because it is confidential. And if you don't have uh, people in your community that you feel safe talking to, Oh, wonderful. Uh, if you don't have people uh, that you feel safe talking to in your community, because you might still want another job or you don't want everybody to know you're thinking about selling your practice, you know, then find some, as you said, some classmates that don't live near you. Or, uh, you know, if you don't, you know, if you've kind of lost touch, 
you know, we can we can probably hook you up in Vets for Vets with somebody who's not in your community or somebody new, you know, to help you Absolutely. talk these yeah. things out. And therapy is, you know, you don't have to be in therapy your whole life for every little thing. You know, most of us are going to solve. Have to be a rep to be in therapy. Yeah, I mean, you know, right, most, right. Most of us solve our problems all by ourselves most of the time. But when you when you've mm-hmm. hit a wall or when you keep having the same problem and you can't seem to think your way out of it, you know, find, find a professional who's heard it all, you know, to help you sort this stuff out. And there are people, plenty of people, frankly, who need a little medication or they need to run more or they need some sort of specific kind of intervention so that they can think straight and uh, have less anxiety just in life in general. That's okay too. You know, we're, we're given whatever time we're given, and we don't know how long that is. And let's let's make the most of it. So let's keep each other happy and comfortable and productive, and you know whatever it takes to get there. That's okay. I I love your opinion on this, and I think that this has hopefully been really helpful to our audience. Um, you know, we want to encourage people as always, there will be, we are collaborating with VIN. So all of these podcasts are on VIN available for free. You don't need to be a VIN member and let's continue this conversation on the message boards and let's continue having people ask questions and engage. And if there are specific other topics you want to know about, we're here to listen. You can email podcast at vinfoundation.org. We will have links in all the episode notes with additional helpful information. Um, we want to keep this somewhat, you know, not too long so that our audience stays engaged. And thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yay. Love talking to you all. Always. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.